Welcome to Scaling Up, the podcast for water treaters by water treaters, where we're scaling up on water treatment knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. Hi, everybody. I am Trace Blackmore. Again, I want to thank you for all the tremendous notes that you're sending me. I'm getting phone calls. I'm getting emails. And you're saying you like this show. That means a lot to me. I really appreciate it. It means we're talking about the right things. And the reason I know we're talking about the right things is because you are telling me what you want to talk about by giving me questions. So we're going to make sure that we continue to answer those. So please keep those coming. Also, I've received some great input on how you feel about advertising. I have not made a decision on that yet. So please keep that information coming. I'm trying to decide if this show should make itself available for our vendors that we use on a regular basis to advertise on this show. I've got pros and cons, but I'm using your information that you're giving me on how you feel to see if we're going to do that or not. So please keep that information coming. And then the last thing I'm going to mention, and if you haven't registered by now, what the heck are you thinking? But we've got the annual convention for the Association of Water Technologies coming up. And you definitely want to be there. It's in Grand Rapids, Michigan. It's September 13th through 16th. There is still time to register. I am going to be recording there. I want to talk with some of the listeners. I want to get some ideas on the air, as well as just hear from some of you, see what you're thinking about scaling up. And I just want to say, I really appreciate the popularity of the show. I had no idea that it was going to be as successful as it has been in such a short time too. So thanks again for helping me get that information out and making me do this and and make the show what it is because you guys are helping me out with that. So, all right, enough with that. Today, we're going to do an interview with Michelle Farmery. And for those of you that do not know Michelle Farmery, you are missing out. She is delightful. She is the daughter of Jay Farmery. And Jay Farmery, as I think you know through a previous episode of mine, I consider as one of my mentors. And Michelle has picked up the Young Professionals group with the AWT and just run with it. And the whole goal behind that is how do we get new faces, new people into the AWT and get them to start doing something so they feel that they're contributing as well. I will tell you as being part of the AWT leadership in the past and then also with the education committee currently, there is enough work for everybody. So don't be shy. If somebody has not come out and directly asked you to do something, don't wait for that to happen. You go and ask somebody if you can do something to help. I promise you're going to get more out of it than you're going to give. And on another show, I think I'll tell you all the wonderful things that I have gotten out of volunteering with AWT, but that's not on today's show. Today, we're going to talk to Michelle Farmery. She's going to tell us a little bit about that, and then we're going to answer some of your questions. So before we do that, as you know, I think we're all superheroes because of the things that we have to deal with on a regular basis, and everything in the world is working against us. So with that in mind, I want you to think of yourself as a heat transfer efficiency manager, and that's where we're going next. 
Have you ever wondered what your job is? You are a heat transfer efficiency manager. Everything you do is a subproduct from making sure the equipment that you are treating is effectively discharging that heat as efficiently as it possibly can. If you do your job correctly, you are making sure that it is the most cost-effective way of transferring that heat on the equipment that you're treating. If you are not doing your job correctly, that heat has to transfer through some sort of insulator, meaning that we have to flow more water through the system, meaning that we might have to use more energy in that system, and it's not being effective. Your job, above all else, is heat transfer efficiency management. Now, if we're heating something, we're putting heat in and we're taking it to a place where we need it. Still making sure we're managing all the transfer of that heat, where we're putting it in to where we need it. If we're cooling, we're removing heat. We're taking the heat out of a place where we don't want it. We're flowing it through our equipment and we're discharging it to a place where we don't care about it. Normally, that's the atmosphere. We want all the heat transfer surfaces to be as clean as they possibly can. That way we can efficiently take the heat through that heat transfer surface, through the train of the heat transfer equipment, and put it where we don't want it. Our job should pay for itself if we do our job properly. So when we're talking to our customers, they don't understand what it is that we do. Quite frankly, a lot of us don't understand what it is that we do. So all of the listeners understand that everything that we do is for one reason, to transfer the heat out of that system as quickly and efficiently as we possibly can. And if we do that, our services are minuscule to the amount of money that they would have to spend if somebody like us wasn't looking after that heat transfer efficiency. Make sure your customers know the superheroes that you are, that we do something incredible. We make sure that they pay the least amount of money possible to run that equipment. Today, my lab partner is Michelle Farmery. Michelle, how are you doing today? I am doing great today, Trace. How are you? I'm doing wonderfully. Thank you for asking. Michelle, I know a lot of people know you from AWT, but just in case a few people don't know you, would you mind telling our audience about yourself? Absolutely. I would love to. As Trace said, my name is Michelle, and I work with GLA Water Consultants based out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. For my company, I am officially known as the marketing director. However, when you work for a small business like mine, You kind of become a jack of all trades. So I do a little bit of everything. I be on the marketing. I I do our report writing. I also process some samples and a bunch of different stuff. But yeah, that's, that's a bit about me in the industry. And I guess beyond that, I'm just a, you know, Pittsburgh sports girl and, you know, love to travel and see the world. And a bit of a hockey fan too, I understand. (laughs) A bit, yes. I mean, that would be why I'm decked out in my penguins gear. 
because tonight is a big Penguins Capitals hockey game in the playoffs. So, well, Michelle, you are are live in people's cars as they're driving around, going to account to account. I know you're in the same shoes as them on many occasions. And something that I thought that was very interesting because a lot of companies are sort of turning over to the second generation. And I know your dad is Jay Farmery. He started the company, and now you're getting involved. I was wondering if you wouldn't mind speaking about that. No, absolutely. We have created a bit of a legacy kind of here with GLA in that my dad did start it, and now both my brother and myself work for the company. It's something that, if I'm honest, I never saw myself doing, never really thought I'd get into water treatment. I always knew what my dad did, but I didn't, you know, see myself being in this industry. Then once I truly got to know what he did and started working for the company after graduating college, I, you know, really took a passion and an interest for it. And it's just, it's really neat because when you have a source like your dad in, you know, as your boss, sometimes it's crazy, but it's nice because you can go and you can ask him a question anytime you want without that intimidation factor, without that whole fear of, feeling like, oh, my gosh, I can't ask my boss this. He's going to think I'm an idiot. You know, instead, it's just your dad, and he's already known you're a goofball. So it's just it's nice because you can ask him a question anytime I want, and it's like an endless resource for knowledge. So I really enjoy it. Well, you and I actually have something in common because when I don't know the answer, it's your dad, Jay Farmery, normally who I call and ask. The only difference is he normally calls me an idiot. <laughs> Oh, that one doesn't surprise me. No, I'm just kidding. But no, he is, he's a great source of knowledge for, in that regard. So I love that you've been able to use him as a mentor and, you know, turn around and now start mentoring your own. I guess I can't really call him a mentor. I just call him dad, but it is definitely great to have that. Well, Michelle, another item that you and I are very similar on is our dads were both in the water treatment industry. So can you tell us about growing up, one, with Jay Farmery, and two, in the water treatment industry? (laughs) Well, that is a very unique bond to share, Trace, and that's pretty cool. I think there's actually a lot of people who might be listening to this podcast who could say that they've had, you know, their parents in the industry, and so maybe that's been their learning source. But I don't know, getting to growing up in the industry, it was really kind of cool. You know, I always knew that my dad worked in water, but I didn't understand what. I just know that some of my earliest memories of it, I would think it was so cool. And I would get to go down, you know, when my dad owned his own business. I mean, obviously he still does. But when you own your own business, you don't get to have the weekends off. You're working constantly. And so I would go down on the weekends with him and I would hang out in the lab. It was so cool when he would be sitting there running the test and would turn the water from pink to clear or like a pink or red to blue. And I just, I was always like, Dad, change the water color again. Do it again. I, I never knew what it was. I mean, now I understand, you know, that's the, the phenolphthalein test and, you know, helping to determine the P alkalinity. And then you would also have the M alkalinity from like the methyl orange and whatnot with your acids and bases and whatnot. So it's neat that now I understand it, but it was really cool like to just sit there and, you know, get to appreciate it. And I'm sure he probably loved it, too, that I took a liking for it, you know, even though I didn't understand it. You know, it was just neat. And especially because then it conveyed over to when I was in school, 
and I'd be in my science classes, and I actually already knew what a lot of the elements were and the different things like that. And I knew all about the beakers and how to titrate and all that. And I definitely still have found that from growing up in this industry, I'm like a pro at the periodic table. I know all the elements. It's, it's kind of cool. I know you are very familiar with the marketing world, and that's your that your, was your major, and that's what you do on a daily basis. What advice can you give some of our listeners to what they can do to better market themselves? Hmm, that's a very good question, Trace. To better market yourself in this industry, I mean, as a whole, I think it's very difficult to market whether it's your company or yourself in our industry because – you find that a lot of the people that we're working with, they aren't the decision makers. And it makes it very tough when it comes down to selling your business because the maintenance directors and facility managers that we work with, they don't always get the end call of, you know, hey, I want to go with them. They can put in their opinion, but it usually comes down to the bean counters, as we like to call them, who make the final decision. But I think what What's best to do is just to sit there and show what you bring to the table and, you know, show off that you're not just going to show up and, you know, just do a couple little things here and there and not explain yourself. But I think when you provide yourself as a a resource to them, so you explain things to the customer and you also just come in a, you know, if you're in a good mood, you socialize with them, but you, you look the part and you look the role, I think when you create a relationship with them, that kind of helps to sell you a little bit better and in turn it provides good vibes for your company as a whole and it makes the customers want to keep you around. Well, I had Connor Parrish on a show a couple of episodes ago and he mentioned that one of the things that he has to overcome is the fact when he walks in, he's talking to somebody that's at least twice his age. How would you give some advice to somebody to deal with that? That's a very difficult situation to encounter. It's actually something that Jay and I had talked about a couple, let's see, I guess it was two weeks ago. We were just having the same conversation because it is very difficult when you're a young person going in, the older people, they look at you and it's not that they think you're stupid or an idiot or anything like that, but they just, they think you're inexperienced because they look and they see somebody that's in their 20s and they're like, How could you have really experienced everything? And I think one of the things that maybe you go in and you acknowledge that when you're young, you know, you're going to go up and you're going to meet facility managers and maintenance guys who are going to look at you like, hey, you're pretty young. You you don't know anything. But you, you acknowledge that and you take a hold of it and you say, look, I know I haven't been around all that much, but I have been around enough. I've seen some things and what I haven't seen and what I haven't experienced I have the resources, whether through, you know, your own boss or through all the training that AWT provides or anything like that. You can say, if I don't know the answer, I definitely know somebody who does know the answer. So we can make sure that between myself and the resources that I have, we can give you the best treatment. Well, I know you and your company really go out when it comes to customer service. What advice can you give our listeners to how they can provide the best customer service possible? That is very true. We are very big on customer service. Um, I think that's one thing I pride myself in, in being the, the more the marketing side of things. One little tidbit that I've always come across from the marketing side, and I don't know if this so much goes into customer service, but 
it just goes with the image that you portray. And that's just to make sure that everything across the line is the same. And and this may come across more as like something to say to your boss or if bosses are listening to this, you know, something that you need to be aware of. But just, you know, make sure your business cards match your collateral that you're handing out when you're cold calling or when you're with a customer and that that matches your website, that everything looks the same. Because if you're going and sending, you know, a customer that you're cold calling at to your website, you know, after you handed them a business card and they have two completely different logos or two completely different looks, they're going to be like, okay, is this the same company? Am I in the right spot? And plus it just doesn't look very professional. But when you have everything synced together, you know, it really helps. But kind of getting back more towards the customer service, though, the thing that I've found that really helps to establish a business and keep it, and that's the biggest thing. I mean, I've looked at some of our customers and we've had them from the days that my dad started the business back in the early 90s. We've had customers still today that he has. So that's over, what, 25 years? But the way that you do that is you make them feel important and you create a relationship with them. You kind of you want to find a way to show interest in the customer beyond just there at their facility. You know, take some time when you first get there. And, and I'm not saying to, you know, just kick your feet up on the desk and don't do anything. But when you get on site with them, take like five minutes, ten minutes at the beginning of your service visit and talk with them and be like, you know, hey, Joe, you know, how's the wife or how's your kids or something like that so that they feel that you actually genuinely care about them and that you respect them and you've, you know, created this relationship with them. But the biggest thing is, as I said just a couple moments ago, you don't just want to, you know, sit down, kick up your feet and not do anything because then it comes across as you don't respect their time because you don't know what they have on their agenda that day. So you want to make the time to engage with them but you don't just want to sit around and BS the whole time and, you know, not walk around and actually get on with your job. But something I like to do, I actually, I keep a notebook. And now I'm not really, I'm not in the field all that much, but a lot of the customers, they call in and I keep a little notebook, just of random things that I pick up in conversation with them. Like one of our customers, who's telling me a story about him and his wife, that they got married on Halloween. And their wedding was like a costume party kind of thing. And I was like, oh, that's a little random neat fact. And so I wrote that down. And then there was another customer who told me that they were a Red Wings fan. And it's just little things like that. And by Red Wings, by the way, I mean Detroit Red Wings, the hockey team. Obviously, I pay attention to hockey. <laughs> but but no, you if you pay attention to those little details, then those are things that if you jot it down in a little notebook about that customer – you can bring it back up, like, so that next year on Halloween, I could be like, oh, hey, Ray, happy anniversary. Or, you know, being that my company is Penguin Season Ticket Holders, if we happen to have the Detroit Red Wings coming to Pittsburgh, I can call up that customer and be like, hey, you know, I have these tickets to the Penguins Red Wings game. I was wondering if I could take you to the game. And it just really evolves that relationship when you can connect with a customer like that and really show that you're attentive and that you care. And the biggest key to having that relationship is when you have it, your customer is more likely to keep you around because if somebody comes cold calling at your account and they're like, oh, hey, you know, you want to, we can come in for 
$200, well, we'll say $2,000 less than, you know, what you're paying now, they may be like, well, you know what, I don't care if you save me money, I actually know my person. Whereas if they don't know you, if you don't show up beyond just doing your service visit, and if they don't see you on site, then they're going to have no desire to keep you around. But when you have that relationship developed, they're going to keep you around. So that's the biggest key to, to customer service and maintaining and also growing your business. What's the old saying, people don't care what you know until they know what you care or know exactly. that you care? Yeah. Uh-huh. Exactly. And and it is. It's one of the biggest things, and it's one of the easiest things. But, I mean, well, I guess I should say it's easy for me because I'm a people person. And I know it is difficult with a lot of people in our industry. You know, when you tend to be more mechanical or science-related, sometimes you do tend to be more introverted. And so it's tough. But, you know, if, if I can give any advice to anyone who's out in the field, you know, maybe try and work on that. You're not going to be a superstar at it at first, but just little baby steps towards it because it really goes a long way to maintaining that business relationship. Yeah, we've talked on this show before that most people consider their service working out of their test kit, but it's really working with that customer. Mm-hmm. No, it absolutely is. Great advice. Michelle, what can you tell us that you absolutely love about the water treatment industry? That's a very good question, Trace. And I say that because there's a lot of things that I love about this industry, which is funny to me to say that because of the fact that, how I said a few moments ago, I never even thought I would ever be in this industry a couple of years ago. But I think one of the top things that I love about this industry is how vital we are. And it's funny that we are so vital when there are so many people out there that don't even know what we do. You had sat there and you mentioned in one of your other podcasts, you know, you could sit there and we describe to people what it is that we do and they just, they don't get it. They're like, oh, so you're the pool boy. And and it's just like, yeah, yeah, that's what we do. When honestly and obviously it's not, but it's it's just so cool to know that we play such a pivotal role and that our industry is just continuing to grow I had seen online, I I think it was in a survey done on Forbes or something like that, that our industry in water treatment is going to be one of the top 10 fastest growing industries over the next five years. And so that means we are going to have one heck of a job security where our industry is not going anywhere. And it's just really cool. And so I think I love that the most. But I do have to say the other thing that I love about this industry is just the people in it. You know, whether it's just... The people that I work with at my company and then the people that I work with at AWT, I've just made some really great friendships and it's so fun beyond just the work part of it because you really get to build bonds with these people and, you know, make memories with them. So it's really cool. So, Michelle, let me ask you the opposite of that question. What do you like least of the water treatment industry? Man, you really had to throw that one out there. You know, I don't like thinking negative about it, but I'd probably say my least favorite part is just the, the money part of the industry. The people that, you know, don't think about the actual relationship and the, the true treatment, and they just look at the bottom line. And I understand finances are important when it comes to running a business. I mean, we have a small business, trust me. I know all about, you know, how you have to dot every I and cross every T and and watch every penny. But it's still like, it's very frustrating because when you have the bean counters making the decisions without being informed, 
and when they don't truly understand why it's important to, you know, hey, we want to use this green chemistry on your system because it's going to do this, you know, and it's going to end up saving you this and be more efficient. They don't get that. And they're just like, oh, that's like $2,000 more than this. So no, let's not change it. And they, they don't get it. And so that's probably the thing I like least is the, the people that focus more on the, the money aspect instead of the actual treatment and what we're really doing. And so I guess my, my advice from that then would be use that to your advantage. How I was talking before about having that great customer service relationship, because if you can convey to your customer and, and in turn also convey to the bean counters, because obviously a lot of the maintenance people get it, but if you can convey to them how important it is, you know, by you spending this extra $2,000, it's going to save you a heck of a lot more down the road because, you know, your boiler's not going to fail because we're going to keep it from corroding and scaling up. Or, you know, you're going to be doing, by having better water efficiency, you're going to be saving on energy costs and electricity costs, which in turn saves you money. So it's just one of those value-added services that I think you use that negative and you turn it into a positive by showing them really what you can do and what you bring to the table. Well, the Back to the Future series are probably some of my favorite movies, so I'm going to ask you a Back to the Future question. Oh, okay. So if you could go back in time and advise yourself of what you know now about your job in the industry and give yourself advice on the first day where you started out in water treatment, what would you tell yourself? You really had to go and make me feel old, didn't you? (laughs) I mean, I'm just sitting here realizing that it's been eight years since I started officially in this industry, which I know there's some people that that doesn't make them feel old, but yeah, having just turned 30 to me, that that definitely adds in the old factor. Wow. But, but no, if I had to go back, that's a, that's a good thought because there is so much that I've learned. But I think what I would say if I had to go back, I would say that I would tell myself to put more of a priority on truly understanding the technical side of things. And I get that this doesn't really apply to, you know, the, the service people that are listening to this podcast, but hopefully you know, some bosses and whatnot have been sharing this with the internal office people because I really think this podcast is a great series for educating all of your employees, you know, whether it's just your receptionist or your HR people or your finance people, you know, it teaches them about the industry. And when they understand what's going on out in the field and all the technical stuff, it gives them a better passion and understanding for their job. And, you know, by that, when they're working with the customers and talking to them, it improves the relationship as a whole throughout the entire company. And so I think that that would be the thing that I would change is that from day one, I would have probably said, get out in the field more and understand the technical side of things sooner than I have, because it just, it allows you to talk to the customers better. I mean, I've had it a million times where I've had customers call in ever since I've started actually grasping more of the technical side of things. And as a woman, it's been so cool because I've been able to explain things to them when, I mean, my title is a marketing director, but I wouldn't know half the stuff, but I've been able to explain it to them. And I had a, a customer sit there and say to me, he's like, this is incredible. He's like, 
I, I was expecting when a woman answered the phone to just have to have you hand off the phone to, you know, one of the guys in the office or something. But you've answered all my questions. It is so nice to sit there and hear a woman who actually knows what she's talking about. And so I, I thought that was really neat because it just it made me feel really proud of myself for what I've started to learn. And, you know, I, I think it's awesome. And that's why we actually, with the AWT Young Professionals Group that I head up, one of the big things that we just worked on was a foundations training. And we put that together with new hires and, you know, young people in mind who are new to the industry, but also for, like, the people that are your office staff, your office personnel, and even your customers who don't fully understand the technical side of what we do. And, you know, it's just between that foundations training and the Scaling Up podcast here, I think it's great to use as a tool to try and learn and understand the industry so that, you know, it makes you a better individual all around on the job. Well, you mentioned that you're involved with AWT and you head up a task force there. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, absolutely. I kind of did name drop there with AWT. (laughs) did it for a purpose. That's okay. Good. At least I don't get in trouble for that. But no, the the group that I head up is called the Young Professionals Group. We are both a task force and also just a group in general. I'll start with the group in general. The group was kind of started based on what we had talked about at the very beginning of this trace. It came about because of the relationship that I have with my dad in the industry. There was somebody who had come up with the whole concept. They were like, you know, we need to have something in this industry for the young people. And so they approached me saying, hey, Michelle, you know, you're young. You've been in the industry. You've been around the people. What do you think about taking this on? And so I did. About four and a half years ago, I, you know, grabbed the bull by the horns and have just started by, you know, brainstorming out ideas of how we can knowledge share and and pull more young people into the industry because our industry there for a bit was aging. We weren't getting information out there to the youth, to the college students, to the trade school students that this opportunity was available. And so I took the whole concept of how I have my dad in the industry that I can go to all the time and ask questions and put that into the young professionals. And the original core of it started around kind of creating a mentor type program for the young professionals coming well, yeah, I guess young professionals coming into the industry and not feeling intimidated so that they could go up and talk to these guys. I wanted to try and help them to form relationships where that barrier is removed. Because if you're just a new person in the industry and you see somebody who's been around, kind of the reverse of what Connor was talking about, how you mentioned, you know, his intimidation factor that, you know, when a customer comes or when he goes to a customer and sees him and he's like, well, you're young. You know, it's kind of the, the reverse of that, where when you come into the industry and you're young and you don't know anything, you don't want to go and say to somebody who's been around, like, asking a question, you're going to feel like an idiot. So it's just we kind of formed it from that, where we wanted to help to develop those relationships and those mentorships. And it's really blossomed from that. You know, we have different events every year. We have them at each of AWT's training seminars and we also have a big gathering at the AWT convention each year and then we have throughout the year some different webinars and we feature 
different young professionals and the things that they're doing and getting involved with in our quarterly newsletters. So it's just, it's pretty cool. And that committee's also helped develop several industry tools uh, as well. Would you care to speak about those? Absolutely. One of the big things that we've sat there and worked on for the industry is the seed program, which is the way that AWT tries to interact with your colleges and universities across the country. This program, I think, is going to be a great resource. It's still kind of young. Actually, Chase, you can speak a little to it because you were the founder of SEED before it kind of got taken on by the Young Professionals Task Force. Yes, I, I was the Marketing and Communications Committee chairperson until I was decided that I was too old and you guys took it from me. <laughs> you were never too old, Chase, but it just fit better with the young professionals because, I mean, you think about it, young professionals are typically just out of college or just out of their trade school, and they should hopefully still have those connections with their schools that, you know, allow for a better outreach to the students and a better connection and relationship. But that's where SEED is so awesome, and I think it has a lot of potential for sharing the opportunity of this industry with students. And that's actually what our, our plan is. What we've done the past couple years is just reach out to schools around the area of where our convention is. So like when we were in Fort Worth, Texas, we reached out to a bunch of schools in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. When we were in Nashville, we did the same, and San Diego. And, and we're doing that now for Grand Rapids coming up this September, where we're reaching out to schools in that area. But in the long run, I want to reach out to schools all across the country. I want to see seed grow and where we have member companies scattered all across the country. And I want to be like, hey, okay, you're a member company in the state of Maine, but there's some colleges up there that, you know, students would really do well in the water treatment industry. So let's try and get them interning or doing some STEM type projects or, you know, different things like that. And so I think there's a great opportunity just to reach out and share this opportunity with all the students and also AWT members. So that's what one of our biggest projects that we're working on with SEED right now is to create an AWT member toolkit that we could kind of use to guide members for easier communications with these schools. And that's where if there's any of you younger people listening who may happen to have a connection still with your college or university or trade school, you know, if you want to reach out to me, I encourage you to please do so, whether via email, which is Michelle with two L's at GLAconsultants.com or via Facebook or LinkedIn or anything, you can find me. And, you know, if you have a connection, I would love to kind of utilize that because we want to find out the best way to communicate with these schools and these students. Like what's going to grab their attention beyond just the obvious of, you know, giving them free stuff or, you know, telling them how we're going to save the environment because we kind of do. I jokingly like to say that we were green before it was cool because we really were. So it's just, you know, we think there's a great untapped potential there for getting the students into this industry. So any help that anybody would want to get involved with the seed would be more than welcomed. Well, I will make sure to put on the notes page of my website your email address and some of the items that you mentioned. Thank you very much, Trace. I appreciate that.
Well, Michelle, these next couple of questions are, are just questions to get to know you a little bit better. So I call these our lightning round. Are you ready for these? Oh, okay. Put me on the hot seat. I'm ready. My first question is, what are the last three books that you've read? That one's a no-brainer because I really don't even have to think. The last three, I could actually say the last four, have all been the Harry Potter books. But that's been done with a purpose. I'm on book number five right now. But that's because I'm going to London later this month, and I'll be visiting the Warner Brothers Studios. And my boyfriend had said, he's like, just seeing all the movies is not enough. He's like, you have to read the books. You understand when we go to Harry Potter that you, you get what all the things are. So I'm now in the process of reading. I still have three more 700-page books to go. <laughs> wow. But, yeah, it's, it's been a treat. Well, that's great. Well, if someone were to make a movie about you and your life, who would play Michelle? Hmm. Part of me wants to say Emma Watson, but that's because she was just Belle in Beauty and the Beast, and that's my favorite princess. But I'd probably have to say Sandra Bullock when she was younger, because just simply she's like a, a no-nonsense, laid-back sports fan, but she can also be professional and classy when needed. And I think that defines me to a T, because typically when you see me, today is no exception, I'm not going to lie, I'm in, you know, pants and a Penguins t-shirt at work right now, and have my my Penguins earrings on and everything. I'm just, I'm a big sports girl, but I enjoy getting dressed up when the situation calls for it, and I know how to be professional, but I like to be laid back and have fun and enjoy life. So, yeah, I would say I think Sandra Bullock would be a good me. Plus, she's a brunette, so. There you go. We had an AWT board meeting in Jackson Hole a couple years ago, and we went to the grocery store, and Sandra Bullock was actually behind me in line. We didn't say anything, but I knew it was her. So that's my brush with fame. That is so cool. And I definitely would not have been able to be like you and not say anything. (laughs) (laughs) I would have been like, holy crap. Yeah, you actually you actually met Fonzie at a McDonald's once, didn't you? <laughs> I did meet Fonzie at McDonald's. I was on my way out to AWT training, and I sat there, and I turned, and he was in this bright purple ski jacket. I'll never forget it. He was just sitting there. It was it was pretty cool. It was, everyone was like, ah, hey, Fonz. And they were like, hey. I am fairly certain that every millennial that's listening to this is going, who the heck is Fonzie? <laughs> That is probably 100% accurate, and especially with the, they <laughs> probably don't get it. See, I, I definitely don't fall in that category because I fall right in between. I still know the stuff. So my last question. So if you could talk to anyone throughout history, who would it be and why? Man, now I see why you call this the lightning round. This one's probably the toughest of the three, Trace. I'd probably, I think I'd probably say the, the person I would sit down and talk with would actually be Jesus. And, you know, I know probably a lot of people would say, you know, they'd they'd normally go with the historians, the presidents, scientists, different things like that. But I would say Jesus just because of the fact that the good that he did for others in his life and the life lessons that he taught to others. But he did it all while working. You know, he was a carpenter in his life. And I just think it's a, a good role model. You know, I sit there and I think about the fact that, you know, I sit here and I'm working. But I try to also go out and be a good person and get involved. And it's just he had a a passion for life and helping others, you know, obviously. But, yeah, I think that would be somebody neat to 
sit there and talk to and hear all the stuff that he went through and the things that he learned, the life he experienced in 2000 years ago. So that would be pretty cool too, to understand what life was like back then. Plus the other perk to sitting down with him. I mean, being that we're in the water treatment industry, maybe he'd be able to teach me a trick or two about turning all this water we work with into wine. How good is wine as a heat transfer medium? I don't know. I've never tried. All I do is drink it. (laughs) Well, Michelle, thanks so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you joining the show. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me, Trace. I just want to say that one of the reasons I think this show is so popular is because of all the wonderful guests that I've had on the show. So I want to thank all of the guests that have been on. I've gotten a lot of feedback for people that you want to hear back on the show. So I'm keeping a running tab on that. I also have a list of other people that I'm asking to be on the show. So I hope every time you tune in, you really enjoy the people that we're interviewing. So let's get to pinks and blues and some of the questions that you have. I picked two questions out today, and they deal with the service aspect of our job. The first one is around test kit speed. And I've spoken in earlier episodes that many of us just simply work in our test kits and then we leave and go to the next account. And I've asked you not to do that. I've also heard people back saying they don't have time to do anything more than that. And I've challenged you with that line of thinking, saying that you don't know your tests well enough to be able to run them efficiently. And that, folks, just doesn't mean speed. It means understanding the test. So as you're getting these results, you're understanding what the next test needs to be that follows that. So I hope I have inspired some of you. I know I've inspired some of you because you've told me that that has helped you out. But now the question is about that. How do you get more information about your test kit? On, I think it was the first or second episode, I mentioned the Hawk Water Analysis Handbook. It is a free tool. It is online. If you Google those words, it will come up and that will tell you absolutely everything that you need to know about every test that you're running. Now, the method might be a little different, but the chemistry is the same. There really isn't that much difference between one manufacturer's tests to another. There might be different labeling or they might have split certain reagents to different strengths. But honestly, when you get right down to it, they're pretty much the same. So read that so you understand your tests. And then I want you to look at all the times that it takes to run various tests. And I want you to do the longest test first and then followed by your shorter tests. But the number one thing I want you to do on top of everything else is I want you to determine what your test value is going to be before you run it. And you're thinking, well, that's crazy. Why would I run the test if I already knew what it was going to be? But this is where the magic of using your test kit properly comes in. If you can use your powers of observation and your knowledge of the history of the system to figure out what you're going to test before 
you actually test for it and what that result's going to be, it's going to make you a better water treater. Because as I said on another show, so I'm, I'm repeating things that I said on another show, but I did get this question, so I want to make sure I'm answering it. You should know what's happening in your system before you test it. And then what you're doing is forming a hypothesis, and then you're either proving or disproving that hypothesis. So the biggest thing I want you to do after today's episode is I want you to look at your test kit and think of that as a tool. It is not the reason you're going to service the account. It is not the thing that you're going to work out of the entire time that you're there. It is just simply a tool that you can prove or disprove what you're doing, what you're thinking, and what you're going to eventually tell that customer. Go online, download some of those procedures. Like I said, that Hawk Water Analysis Handbook is on there. Just challenge yourself. Are you being as efficient as you can be? And are you running things in the right order? My next question and my final question for today's show deals with service reports. And several people have written in wanting to know which service reports that I use. And we've looked at several service reports when we decided to use one particular company. That being said, we're using an online service reporting system. And when we chose this back eight, nine years ago, it was really the only viable one out there. Currently, there are some others. Rather than telling you what I'm using and why I am using that, I want you to ask yourself, what do I need to know at each and every account? And then how do I keep track of that? And what is going to make all of that easier? Rather than telling you what to go buy, I would rather you come up with a list of items that you need and make sure that whatever you choose now allows you to do that within that program. Now, I say program, but a lot of water traders out there are using paper reports. And I got to tell you, in our office, paper is the enemy. We've tried to get everything electronic because paper just takes up a lot of space and only one person can have that piece of paper at a time. So we've tried to do everything electronically. So anything that comes into our office, we scan that and file it accordingly. Now I know what you're saying. Oh my gosh, what happens if something happens to the server? Well, that's why there's backup services and things like that. I didn't really answer that question There's a whole bunch that I can say about one company and another company, but I really don't think that's that's appropriate for this question. I think it's more appropriate that you ask those questions to all of the various companies that are out there and choose the right one for you. On another show, maybe we'll talk to various vendors of these products and see what one does over another. But until then... I hope that gives you some food for thought on how you can do that evaluation yourself. Bottom line is if you choose a tool, whatever that tool may be, whether it's something in your test kit, whether it's something on your computer, whether it's something in your tool bag, it needs to make the job easier, safer, and just simply make it more efficient. So all those things... That's what you need to evaluate with a tool. So I hope you're thinking about that. 
I also hope you enjoyed today's show of Scaling Up. I sure enjoy bringing them to you, and I hope you join in next time on Scaling Up.